1: Hi, Dr. Tim, can you hear
2: me? Dr. Tim? This is Magda. Did you just unmute
1: me? Magda, can you hear me? This is Susan.
2: I can hear you. I
1: can't hear Tim. I can't hear him either. I've been writing to Jeannie and Tim saying, what is? It's all silent. Hello, Margot.
2: How how are you able to be on? How are we able to be on? <laughs> I have no oh, idea. I, bet... I, heard, I heard unmuted. I so heard that, somebody's... too. So <clears throat> I'm guessing Dr. Tim is there. And he just cannot be heard. So, okay, <clears throat> I'll okay, just go. patiently. You want to do a worksheet? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great idea. Except I'm driving, and um, so I can't, I can't write or I can't do anything right now except drive, pay attention, <laughs> and, and listen. Right. I'll listen to you. Why don't you do one and I'll listen to you?
1: Well, I'm going to hold off <laughs> for a minute. It okay. might be that Doctor so Susan is So Susan B., on. can you hear me? Yeah,
2: I can. Can you hear me?
3: Yes. Right. And this is Magda.
2: Right. I can hear you too.
3: All right, Magda. Well, yeah. I um, I. I thought something was up because we had four, five, six, seven, eight people on the call, and then they all dropped off except for one or two. And then, so I've, I've done the intro, and um, I've solved most of the world's problems. And um
2: <laughs> lovely. It sounds to me like Susan has a worksheet in mind. Is that true?
1: No, no, Magda. Now, listen. Don't jump the gun. I, oh, I, I thought I heard
3: that? her say she would hold off on that.
1: <laughs>
2: that well, is, and I no interpreted that. I interpreted that to mean she'd hold off until you were available.
3: <laughs> oh, okay.
2: <laughs> okay, all right. All right. Well, drive well, safely, I, Magda. I shall, yeah. and I will listen. Okay. All right. Blessings.
3: Blessings. So.
1: So, what's going on? Do you think, Tim?
3: I don't know. I'm. I just. Uh, I can hear you now, and uh, mm-hmm. Jeannie Rice can hear us, so we're back on. I don't know what the deal was or is, but they they let me. Um, they, they they, the technology clearly understood that I was on because it let me open the switchboard and start the show. But so here we are. Um, we're doing what we can. I was uh, doing some worksheets over the weekend, and the technology on the worksheets was malfunctioning, so it wouldn't let me print them out, but, wow. but we we do what we can with our technology. We're blessed to have it, and it's um,
4: <coughs>
3: excellent when it works. It's letting us have all kinds of success and access to people that we wouldn't have otherwise, so...
1: Have any people come back on the switchboard
3: um one or two we're We're up to about five people total. If you count Jeannie Wow so so what's new in your world? Did you have something well, you wanted to talk about today, or should we just mute you and let you listen in while I try and put together a show?
1: I hadn't had anything planned. I'm, it's an on, ongoing worksheet thing that you and I started last week, and it's bearing a lot of fruit, but it hasn't. Mainly, I feel as if I'm sort of intercepting the worship process by practicing the gentle art of blessing. It takes me away from my bad habits of judging people instantaneously sometimes a lot of the time and just putting me back on a track. But there's the whole issue of, you know, self-conscious, self-consciousness, self self-deprecating behavior, feeling like, a, what's the word? Uh, can't remember the word. It's like, Accusing myself of being a fake if I'm really good at something.
3: Yeah, the the imposter yeah. syndrome.
1: Yeah, and even it was funny that the New York Times, I've printed it out and I haven't even read it yet. New York Times had an article about how to get over imposter syndrome. So I thought, boy, this is a really common thing. <clears throat> also believing that I, if you know that phrase, can anything good come out of Nazareth or Galilee or whatever city it was? I feel as if people will look at me and say, Ah, how can anything good come from her? And I really? have an experience. Yeah. In and what
3: in what kind of setting? I mean if you're trying to share the worksheet with them?
1: No, no. Um, for instance, I've been a composer for many years, but for me to say to my new organist, how about do have a look at one of these mass settings that's been sitting in a drawer forever i really like it i've lived with it for a long time passes my tests i'm embarrassed to present myself and to say hey this is worth looking at because it's me who's saying it <clears throat> and okay. i imagine a lot of people that way but That could be a worksheet. Well, it doesn't matter if
3: you're the only one in the universe or if everybody else says it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, Uh, that's true.
3: Right, as soon as you go to... Well, I imagine uh, don't. Stop that. Yeah, okay. That's that's a massive waste of your time and energy. That's the rationalization that Michael calls the figuring it out. Right? The number one pseudo-solution of the non-being mind. He loves that phrase. right? So the non-being mind is the mind that's not actively experiencing consciously active, present love. Now, as I like to say, every mind is made of love, because that's all there is. Mm-hmm. And yet, we have the free will to distract ourselves and think about other things. So... While all of us are total, present love, many of us are not conscious of that. And what Michael's work was early on, he would use this phrase a lot. Total, perfect, conscious, active, present love. That's our goal.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And the conscious part is the only thing that's missing. You can't ever be anything but love, as I say in the closing of the mm-hmm. show. Come from love, we're yeah. made of love, we are love. Everything else is false. Well, we have the ability to create any kind of illusion, hallucination, delusion that we would like, because we've been given that free will. And as the Way of Mastery tells us, and it says so clearly in one of the Q&As from a Darshan, your free will cannot be usurped. Mm
4: -hmm. You will
3: all have the ability to create those illusions. So you can create the illusion that you're not made of love, that you don't have the value, that other people have more value, etc. It doesn't mm-hmm. make it so. It just means that you slumber in your suffering, as Guy Finley would say.
1: <laughs> that's a great phrase.
3: And so when you have this realization and then your mind wants to say, well, but I suppose lots of people have that, that's just a distraction from taking the time to cancel the goal and look deeper at what's being mm-hmm. hidden from by your own mind
1: energy, right That's true. It's also a way of trying to make my issue universal enough to justify my having it- not my having it, but my getting just keeping space to work on it or just air no not you're work not on working
3: it. on it when you do that. Right, that just gives you the airspace to keep it and not work on it. Well, everybody's got problems.
1: Yeah, well, that's not how I'm using it. Okay,
3: okay, but that's how that's how when you're talking about it, that's what's happening. Okay. Right. When you're spending the time to say that that sentence, it's time and energy that you're not spending on doing the work.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Right, and it's time and energy that you that, that you're not spending on the direct observation. Boy, what kind of silliness must this be? That you know, creation itself thought me worthy enough to have existence, and I'm judging it as bad or wrong. How silly! Again, I think I know better than the mind of the creation. Right, remember, remember that old uh, childhood thing. You know, uh, God doesn't create junk. Right, they used to try and tell kids that. Yeah. Yep. But I don't believe that really, because I think I'm junk, and you know, I'm here. So, God must have made a mistake with me and the platypus. God made those two mistakes, right?
4: and the giraffe.
3: What what the heck does any animal need a neck that long for? So me and the platypus and the giraffe were are mistakes, but everything else God does is perfect. That's the silliness of the, you know, I'm going to figure it out mindset. So I hope to help you see here that the negative, you know, the the really powerfully negative impact of saying oh, well, I guess everybody has this imposter syndrome or I guess everybody's, you know, got abusive relationships or because that's just wasted energy. <clears throat> does that make sense?
1: It does, but I think you're barking up a different tree than I'm barking up. I think I say it. So that if it's universal enough, then if I work on it, other people won't mind that I work on it because it's their issue too. I'm not taking their time and boring the heck out of them.
3: (laughs) Please notice the negativity (laughs) that you're spouting about yourself being boring and having to work really hard not to be boring and...
1: I know, Dr. Tim, it's really all slowing out. It's your fault because you started me doing these worksheets. And one thing... <laughs>
2: I know.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is my fault. Most people's problems are yeah. my fault. I've caused most of the problems in the world. That's true.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's amazing. Even talking about this brings up a memory. I went to Michael Rice's retreat at Cartland just before the pandemic. It was probably the summer before the pandemic closed everything down. <clears throat> and I had been on the radio show a lot. I was a newbie, and I was just narcing it up. And I remember a young man came up to me at this retreat, and he said, you're that Susan who talks on the radio show? And, of course, I immediately interpreted Interpreting what he said like, you, this five-foot, two-inch, nondescript-looking female, what? And it's as if right there he wrote me off. This is my interpretation. I never had another word with this guy the whole time we were there, nine days, but... That's how I interpreted it, and so there. there's just an example of the way um, I'm using. I feel as if I'm standing under one of those things they have in workshops that compress things. And there's a big round arm and handle, and you start turning it, and as you turn, it's a screw-like thing, and this enormous round weight is pushed down and down and down and down until who's ever under there is completely squished lovely right and you feel
3: like that's happening all the time every day or just when we talk about this issue
1: when we talk about it and there i run into that feeling like incredible here i have a i have a a little liturgical opera that's being Presented next week at my parish. It's been on the shelf because it was in rehearsal when the doors closed with the pandemic. And I put it away. And now we're opened up. And I said, how about we get this out? And I felt, I felt as if that screw thing was, being, was turning. I was saying to the singers, how about we do this now? And I had to deep breathe to stand tall and just say, let's do it now. And there was a certain amount of foot dragging and, um, you know, scheduling problems and so forth. Well, now it's in full swing. It's, go- it's almost ready. It's going to be done this weekend. And I feel as if I did it by lying on my back, putting my feet up against that weight drill that's being screwed down and pushing with all my might to keep that thing up so that I can get my piece done And keep breathing during it, because what I really want to do is say, oh, it's nothing. Let's not bother with it. I don't want to take your time. I know I'm imposing. God, there's so many childhood issues coming up with this thing, and I've been looking at it. Doesn't happen a lot. I've been feeling, knock on wood, (laughs) superstitious, but I've been so happy, joyful, lively, good energy. My weird post-COVID rash is going away. Everything is well, and and even the grand boys seem to be healing slowly and coming around, and it's been wonderful, and yet this, I'm just watching it, Kim. These old habits die hard, that's all.
3: Yeah, yeah, and you know, I don't know if you've been around long enough to hear Michael Rice say, uh, in in various forms, the the statement is made that when you make a commitment to do your work, life will start bringing you things to stimulate your big issues, right? Yep. Mm hmm so, so he says, you know, if you agree to go to an intensive, the, as soon as you make the commitment to go, you pay your money or whatever, your verbal commitment, you will start getting your issues stirred up. They right. will be happening. They will come to your attention. Um, you'll get triggered. You'll probably have several thoughts about, I don't want to go. This is ridiculous. Um, it's too much money. Uh, it's new age mumbo jumbo, whatever. And so, right. the, the 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 degree to which you go to address anything that's an issue for you, he he used to say this quite often to people when they would decide to start a support group or teach one of the classes that they'd learned from him. Um, as you make the commitment to do this, you as the teacher. Are going to get triggered more and more and more and more,
4: Mm -hmm.
3: just as a natural byproduct of being willing to engage. Right? It's like Mm -hmm. the the football player that decides to put on the pads and go out in the field is going to get more bruises than one who puts on the pads and just sits on the sidelines.
4: Yeah.
3: If and you roll up your sleeves and go out and engage in life life is going to bump into your issues. (laughs) Yeah. And so you have an issue about, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, low self-esteem, low self-confidence, imposter syndrome, whatever word you give it, that's one of your big issues. Mm. And so whether you say to somebody, hey, let's do this opera I wrote or you say, hey, let me go to the intensive, it's going to trigger situations that are ripe for you to choose interpretations that will, that will resonate your big issues. It's not life doing that to you, right? Yeah. You could choose an interpretation when you interact with that young man at the intensive you could choose the interpretation that says oh he recognized my voice how lovely and move on and it wouldn't trigger your issue but you chose the interpretation that says something's wrong here Mm
1: true true
3: So that's one of the, the, the key things that I like to talk to people about is that life doesn't trigger trigger my issues. Life is just always in this flow. The interpretations that I choose and place on life events are the things that either resonate or don't resonate my big issues or my little issues or my medium issues. Mm-hmm. And what Way of Mastery was trying to tell us all through all 35 lessons last year was we are free to choose whatever interpretation we want for life and its flow and its sights and sounds and sensations and we're Mm -hmm. always doing it
1: yeah and we will always
3: be free to do it go ahead that leads to a question
1: Those issues do pop up, and I've been intercepting them with practicing the gentle art of blessing. And I'll give you an example, and I've even wondered, is this a way of avoiding issues or bypassing issues and not doing the work? But don't answer that yet, because I'm going to tell you an example of doing this. The woman who is singing the lead part, I wrote the piece with her voice in mind. It's one of those unpretentious, clear, beautiful soprano voices that has a purity about it. It's absolutely fantastic for any kind of church singing, Anglican chant or anything. And she's somebody that I admire very much. She's probably in her mid-40s maybe. And so I'm working with her and Feeling, my tempted to feel inferior, like an imposter. Feeling apologetic that I'm correcting a note she sang wrong, and I noticed that she was also doing the same thing with me, as if I'm some somebody that she felt embarrassed with, or apologetic toward, or inadequate in front of, and I don't understand that at all, but it's. It's like this little psychic dance is going on. Meanwhile, I'm doing the general art of blessing. I'm sitting tall. I'm doing my breathing. It's almost as if I'm doing my tapping, but I'm not tapping in front of her because I'm playing the piano. It's allowing me to be a whole person by proxy. I'm not really feeling that whole, but I can manage it. And of course that must be complicated for another person of any sensitivity. She's probably saying, "Gosh, this is an odd person with odd vibes or something, but she would probably never know that I feel this way because I'm impo- I'm being in- an imposter. I'm I'm putting it on." And I think that's probably good till I really get it, but then this goes into well, the whole Well, it it yeah. it's
3: not so good as overt honesty.
1: You mean I could say to her, you know, I feel like apologizing to you for imposing upon you. And I'm even paying these singers, which is really not usual in my parish. We do all kinds of things as a community, but I'm getting a recording of it. I'm going to put it on my website. It's for my professional part. And I make that my reason for paying them, and they accept the payment. These are all hardworking professors and things. You were saying something, and am I answering it at all, or I just took a tangent?
3: You you answered it perfectly. Yes, you could say to her, just want you to know, I'm very nervous about this. I often feel self-conscious about asking people to perform something I've written. So, you know, if you're sensing tension or anxiety on my part, and if any part of you wants to interpret that as dissatisfaction with your performance, please know it's more my nervousness about my own inadequacy.
1: God, I would love to say something like that to her. I'd love to feel free enough to say that.
3: Well, let me just take a nice deep breath. And let you know, I'll make this as a proclamation. The great and powerful Dr. Hayes has just given you permission. (laughs) I waved my hand in a very magisterial way, magically in the air. You you. now have permission.
1: Thank you. Great. Oh, that's great. Uh, Yeah.
3: Now, you have to understand something. When 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 I say that, that comes from somebody who does worksheets on his own issues on the internet show. Yeah. So what does that mean? For some people, that's just wrong. You remember we we had this once earlier. You were talking about somebody and they, or maybe Jeannie was, and, and she was at a given a seminar or something and they said somebody in the group says, "Oh, you as the leader, you should never show that you're upset or." And hey, Jeannie was doing more what we like to do in this work, which is be transparent and understand that we're all in this together. You know one way to say it is we're all walking each other home. everybody's got issues, everybody creates their own upsets, and so when you're coming at it from that perspective, when you're not blaming somebody else for your upset, it's very appropriate to tell somebody you're working with or someone in your support group or someone on the radio show or someone in an intensive that you're having upset get triggered and that you mm-hmm. need to do your own work on this.
1: God, that would be so great. <laughs> okay. And
3: some people are not so willing to do that for whatever reason. They're, they have their own
1: reasons. And I imagine she will be quite uncomfortable with that but I still want to do it I don't sense that she's a person who talks about her issues easily she's pretty private but she has this well, insecurity but, but, but this is
3: the
1: this is not you
3: asking her to tell you her issues
1: no but understanding mine would be nice and I'm not sure she she might just get really nervous.
3: that's okay You don't have control over what she does or doesn't do we're We're just talking about the comfort level you might experience and the benefit in clarity of communication that you might experience with her if you just state the truth for you, mm. This isn't about trying to make her more comfortable. This is just about you being more honest and more comfortable with your honesty. And therefore, mm. you know, look, you you know this energy is roiling and boiling and bubbling off of you. You just said it. If she has any yeah. kind of sensitivity, she probably senses my holding my breath and trying to sit upright and, you know, try to stay with this even though I'm nervous as can be. Well, most people who have a blank screen project negative stuff onto it. They've been conditioned to do that. We've been trained by our culture, some would say it's part of our biology of survival in the wild. And um so if if you think she might be projecting negatives on onto Your thoughts, words, energies, and behaviors remove that, you know, the obvious, the elephant in the room by just talking about what's going on for you.
1: Yeah. That's a relief, just to think that I could do that.
3: Remember, um, I I talked about this once before. I had a... um, had a board meeting on. Uh, I, w- I was invited to join a board, and I had a history with these people. And um, and when it ended, um, it was very disruptive. And and the relationship was uh, hibernating. You might say it was over for years—three, four, five years—and then they invited me back to you know they gotten over some of their issues, and they established the business and they asked me to um, be on the board and so here we' were, I agreed you know after we had some conversations and what would be the expectations and so then we had our first video meeting of the board, and we're on a zoom call, and people are straggling in and and I came on, and there were three or four other people on a total of nine would would nine or ten would be on the first call, and there were three or four others on. And one of them was um, one of the three other people that had been on the call that had really blown up and people were swearing and raging and that made me walk away from the group years before. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: And so uh, I was feeling the apprehension about this. I wonder how this is going to go. Right. I mean, this. I haven't had any direct contact with them for a long time. I know the volatile personalities involved the last time this went south. So I got on the call, and one of the three people greeted me with, Hey, Tim, how's it going? Like nothing ever happened prior to that. Mm. And uh, I said, Well, it's going. And he snapped back. What do you mean by that?
1: (laughs) Oh, brother.
3: And so so I took a breath and I said, well, I mean, the last time I was on a call with several of the people that are going to be here, it didn't go so well. So I'm quite apprehensive about how this one's going to turn out. I didn't call him out for snapping. I didn't, you know. Mm -hmm. I didn't just hang up, but I just said, I'm apprehensive about how this is going to go. Wow. And the end result was he backed off instantly and said, oh, oh, yeah. And there was space to acknowledge that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm the kind of person who doesn't want to just pretend nothing happened. If there's been a blow-up in a relationship and somebody wants to start talking to me like nothing ever happened, I'm the kind of person that knows that will be the death of that relationship. That will be smothering the intimacy in that relationship.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And the honesty will breathe life into it if it's meant to have life. <clears throat> so that's that's my offering there. I, I don't I don't see any danger for you being honest about your apprehension, and I, I see tremendous potential benefits to the communication in the relationship, and um, like you said, you know if she's got any sensitivity at all, she's reading your energy Mm. because you're working like a a pressure valve, a safety valve on a pressure cooker to keep things from exploding.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
3: So while we were talking, area code 541 put her hand up. I will turn on her microphone. Is this Celinda?
5: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Hi. Hi.
1: I know how you answer.
5: Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) I am enjoying this program so much. It delights my heart. And I had... um, So many points of association with what you were saying, Susan, only it wasn't a big uh, press coming down on me. It's this gigantic shoe that's going to drop at any time. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. And it's bigger than me, believe me. (laughs) And it's probably mine. (laughs) Um, Dr. Tim, I have... um... I had an aha yesterday, and I'd like to do a worksheet around it, but I don't know quite how. So when you well, we, we can continue, at least finish,
3: we we can at least help you frame it out. What what's the oh,
5: uh, what's what the it issue? is? What it is was um, I realized a while ago that my just one moment. Let me shut the door a little bit. house. Two hundred and fifty eight square feet or something like that <laughs> okay um the uh, what I realized is uh, my older brother, the one that was ta- um sent away when I was three years old when i was when he was three or old, sent away. I was one or two, maybe four anyway, for him, maybe four um I realize we have had a really close relationship all of our lives with each other, even though we've been separated most of our lives from each other. Um, he takes most, off, uh, most after the, my mother's side of the family, and I take most after my father. It's a very interesting dynamic.
4: Um,
5: the after uh, he's having serious health issues. He's two years older than I. And when I got off the phone with him uh, a couple of days ago, I realized that I was in mourning because if his physical situation continued, he's on oxygen and he has heart issues, which is my mother's side of the family's issues, um that I would be left without my life without a life support that I have felt very strongly of unconditional love most most of my life um and i began to reflect over my life and realize that i have i have a, a confusion between attachment and bonding and i came to an aha i think it's an aha that a little download that my i have been attached all my life rather than bonded in my relationship,
3: and so are you attachment. saying are you saying that attachment is negative and bonding is positive in the way you're thinking about it?
5: Uh, I'm thinking about it kind of as attachment being an extension of my neediness and someone else providing it for me. And bonding is just that assurance. Maybe I was bonded. Maybe I am bonded with my brother. That no matter what our differences, that relationship is solid. And many of so my you're, relationships. So you're, so you're
3: thinking of bonding as a healthier thing.
5: I I'm thinking of it as a healthier thing, so maybe there's some clarification in there that I would that would be very helpful for me.
3: It it it, it doesn't really matter. It, what matters is what you are thinking when you use the words. It oh, doesn't well, matter what anybody else would say. Yeah. This is, I'm just trying to get clear on what you're talking about as your issue. Okay. And you know it. It, whether you've got definitions no one has ever used before mm-hmm. is irrelevant. People know the difference between what feels good and solid and what doesn't. And I'm just trying to clarify for you that when you're presenting this, bonding you think is a good thing and attachment you think is a bad thing,
5: right? Not a bad thing. It's coming from a neediness rather than just the comfortable feeling. If I lose the person and I'm attached to it, then I feel less. If I lose a person and I feel bonded with it, I'm imagining that I wouldn't feel the loss as permanent and devastating, or that I'm using another person because of some need in my life in order to keep contact with that person because maybe that person is a connection to someone who is extremely important to me. So there's a lot of confusion around this. Okay, and I don't feel but, upset about but, but, it. But don't you, know.
3: don't, you, don't, you don't need to make it that difficult and complex.
4: Okay. okay All right, so the
3: confusion, remember, that the last time I did a worksheet on confusion last two or three that I've done, I had the insight before I was done doing enough worksheets on it that, oh, I really was using confusion to avoid facing something or, you know, facing up to something, doing something that my intuition was very clear about. Right? To face the sadness of an ending or or to face the need to stay in a difficult situation even though you know part of me wanted to leave but the healthier thing to do would be oh. to stay so i generated confusion basically to avoid identifying with and following my highest guidance so don't make it that complicated right you have this issue where you're thinking about losing your brother and there's sadness that that you're already experiencing, even though he's not gone yet. And then there's fear that you're going to lose him and feel all that sadness. So you've got those two worksheets you could easily do. And And there's no need to parse out all these different words and definitions because you're very clear about the grief that you'll feel if he's gone, and the fear that you're not going to be able to function as well if you don't have someone like him to rely on in your life. Right?
5: Yes, I would say that would be very... or just uh, not functioning as well, or just missing the relationship, Dr. Tim.
3: Yeah, all of those. So one is grief. You'll miss the relationship. There's the sadness and the grief. And you're fearful of losing him and the function that each of you has served for each other all these years in your lives. So are you – is the scratching sound that you're making notes, or is Susan Bingham uh, sketching something? I'm writing
5: um, – oh, no, 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 it's me. I'm writing in the form because I um, forget things very quickly. Okay. Okay, so I said um, we,
3: we, could, that we could map out a worksheet for you, and one of them is I – Celinda, who I'm love, am feeling fear. And the situation is my brother's on oxygen and his health is failing. And my thought that's creating the fear is I may lose this valuable person in my life and I will miss him tremendously. And then, of course, the goal from that's pretty clear. I want him to Stay healthy and be vibrant and stay connected to me in my life. Does that make sense?
5: Yes, I'm writing it down. Okay, I don't feel any punishment thoughts at least not for well my i would I, I would offer the, that that you, that you're already
3: you're already demonstrating some punishment thoughts for yourself in that you're um, choosing negative interpretations about the motivation you have for the relationship and wondering if if your motives are pure
5: enough. Oops, sounds like Magda's uh, perfectionism that I share.
3: <laughs> well, I, I hate to spoil the news, but neither one of you has a corner on that market.
5: Oh, beans. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. I love your laughter, by the way. It really helps me laugh. There's nothing that makes me feel better than laughter, and Susan's laughter and Magda's laughter, Michael's and Jeannie.
3: Okay, so so that's one worksheet that you can do after we're done. You know how to do the patter and the release, right. and, and the other one had to do with grief.
5: Right. So this one was on Sears. Okay. Do and the one other ones three. going to look very
3: similar, but the thought will be somewhat different.
5: Uh, grabbing another one. Sorry. On a new one. This one's on grief. Okay. And it's the same
3: it's you. Right. And and the dynamic is the same. Your brother and his failing health. And the thing that'll be different in this one is the thought you're using isn't generating fear, it's generating grief. And you can decide what that thought is going to be. Is that thought going to be, I'm sad that he has to go through this, that he's suffering? I'm sad because I'm already anticipating what it's going to be like when he's gone, so I have my own grief about losing him? And that will be the only difference. And then, of course, the goal can be very similar, that you want him to stay alive and well and be in the connected relationship with you.
5: So on the first Dr. here, the uh, thoughts were, I will lose and miss uh, my brother tremendously, if I remember correctly what we said. And the second one is sadness over his suffering.
3: Right, you're already sad. It's right. not fear about being sad in the future. It's you're already experiencing. You're imagining it's already happening. You're you're imagining it as inevitable, okay. and you're experiencing and sadness for him and sadness for yourself. Okay. Remember, the emotions illusions. that we experience only get created by the thoughts we pour our mind energy into. So we choose right. a different thought pattern, we generate a different emotion. But it can be the very same life circumstances.
5: There's another thought that just popped into my mind over this too is I've been attempting to share um to the best of my ability, uh, without teaching and he loves me regardless of whether I'm teaching or preaching or not. We both are that way with each other. Um, so I could be preaching. But he's on a um Christian path that's actually driving uh, not even that's not even a say what that sees its Relationship with the divine As the classical God is on his throne And if we follow the Ten commandments and if we make sure We worship on the Sabbath uh, We'll be safe we'll be, we'll be doing His will and then We'll be okay And um, he doesn't Have any He does, doesn't have a lot of joy In his life from my point of view, and neither have I all through my life. And this, this whole Aramaic gospel has, like, like this, the art of, gentle art of blessing. This is, for the first time, really allowing me to be joyful, or I'm allowing myself to be joyful and to stop being the mascot or the court jester whose job is to make sure everybody else is happy without losing her own head. Um, uh, and so I think there's some of that too. There's some grief over the sadness I feel that I think my brother is feeling because we're very close about his life.
3: Okay, is there a question for me in that? <clears throat>
5: There's, I don't know. But all of a well,
3: sudden, so, important. Well, so so let let's let just let me just give you a, an answer, even though you didn't ask this question directly. You could do another worksheet, and it's your brother is the target, and he's in this kind of standard Christian God on his throne relationship with his image of God. And the thought that's generating your sadness is, sadness would be the emotion in that worksheet. And the thought you're using to generate the sadness is, he doesn't have much joy in his life. And then the goal in that worksheet would be, you want your brother to be experiencing joy in his life. Make sense? Yes. All right. Well, we've mapped out several worksheets for you. We're near the end of our time, so I will thank you and mute you and send you blessings. I look forward to hearing from you as you process that. Susan Bingham, blessings. Good luck with the work you're doing. I look forward to updates as you see fit. And I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. Welcome Jeannie Rice. Jeannie Rice. Turning on your microphone. Thank
0: you, Doctor Tim. <laughs> Appreciate it.
3: You're, I'm glad you're that welcome, uh whatever
0: man. happened at the beginning there straightened itself out.
3: Yeah, I just had to call in a few times, so Yeah. All right. And I um uh,
0: I did the just FYI, I did the app on the iPhone and it worked fine for me. So I'm not sure if it was a temporary glitch or if India got it fixed or what. So you might give it another. All
3: right. I'm also on the iPhone, so I'll I'll try one again this afternoon.
0: Okay. All yeah, right. Sure. Blessings. All right. Bye. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShifters Radio. And today is Monday, January the 23rd, 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us, and we'd love to hear your comments and questions, because that makes this your show. And uh, hold the space that everything is working out. The other day when John was on the call with us and doing a worksheet, the online worksheet was messing up, and I've worked on it for about three days and finally gave up and called India. And uh, then... Dr. Tim texted me this morning that his app was acting weird, so it's like, okay, there's a cyber bug out there that's just trying to give me opportunities here, but uh, I do have India working on the online worksheets, but like I said, I have done worksheets on both the iPhone and the Android, and both of them seem to be working just fine for me, so let me know how it goes for you, and um, at this time, I'm going to welcome Michael.
6: Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. Delighted and honored that you're here and ready to move to the next level of this awesome conversation. And I guess we've got, uh, let's see, I don't, I don't have the link yet, Jeannie, and uh, maybe you've received it from Lou Corletto, Dr. Lou? No, I have no.
0: not. Okay. And, um, no. And there was also something, oh, there's the new worksheet that you've got to send that to me, too, so I can get it right. on the website.
6: Yes. I've got some work to do with that. So what happened was that there's a local physician here who was doing a, a weekend workshop with a group of people from all over the country. And we had done a podcast with him last week. And he was like, well... You know, you're this close, and we've got this group of people coming in. Would you come and present forgiveness? And we only had an hour and a half. We ended up stretching it to two hours. But we did a full presentation of an abbreviated worksheet. So we now have a new worksheet. It's our first new first new worksheet in, gee, I don't even know how many years, several. But what I did is I took the seven-step worksheet and took uh, some of the more complicated concepts out and pared it down. So it's still a seven-step worksheet, but a trimmer seven-step worksheet. A little simpler to understand, a little simpler to do. And we presented it in a two-hour time frame. Complete explanation of forgiveness and how to do the this new worksheet process. So once we get that video back, we'll certainly be letting you know actually i'm tomorrow afternoon i'm he's invited me to do another uh, another piece on a zoom conference that he's doing uh where we're going to talk about mind shifter so so we'll probably have that one available as well and as soon as we get the uh the video from them on the abbreviated worksheet we'll let you know and it'll be a a really good review for everybody with some, some good questions and some just kind of zip through the whole layout of how forgiveness works. So have a new seven step current abbreviated rather than the seven step current. So somebody wants to start there and then graduate into the the fuller process, we'll be there with it. So I'm excited about that. So many, so many things just happening, developing and openings occurring. It's amazing one of the things that occurred to me as I was doing this workshop Saturday for this group mm-hmm. was that the functioning purpose of what we call the mind is to make excuses for and find out how we can blame someone else for what's going on in our lives you know, it's just the, the world has become so filled with denial, so filled with hostility and fear that virtually everyone who's born into this world becomes a card-carrying member of the one-world religion of Satan. Satan being the resistor, one who misleads, it's the religion of blame. I mean, virtually everybody we speak to, yeah, if that person would just change... My life would get better. Well, guess what? You don't have to wait for that person to change. Because the problem in your life, you know, if you notice you've been through it 87 different times with 42 different people, the problem in your life isn't them. The root of the pained constructs of your mind is your mind. What's going on inside of you is going on inside of you. It's not happening outside of you, but when you live in denial, remember our definition of denial, when I think or speak as so though something outside of me is the cause of what's moving inside of me, I'm in denial. And then when I live in that state of denial, my mind, because of the way I've instructed it, shows me how to really construct literally a world I think I see that makes you the central figure in my play. (laughs) It focuses its constructs on the person that I think is the problem, and rare is the person who honestly thinks of themselves as the problem. People dishonestly think of themselves as the problem And so they degrade themselves, and they live in blame, but that's still one world religion of blame. So recognizing that perception is nothing but a construct of the mind. The world you see, that you think you see with your eyes, but you're really seeing through your brain. Nobody can see out through their eyes. That's a fraud. The eye is a one-way antenna. Information comes in. That information that comes in causes data within the mind to resonate. And what's resonating literally produces the thing we call perception. And if you don't know how to collapse perception, you're in trouble because that lie just goes on and on and on. With with that old song, it just goes on and on, my friend. This is a song that never ends. It's like if you live in the world of perception, sooner or later you're going to be weak and failing, life will be futile, and suffering and death will be your experience in your end. But that's not required. Perception, if we live in denial, has especially of making up stories where you can convince yourself that somebody else is to blame for what's happening in your mind and your body. What we're looking to do is to convert every mind, heart, and being on the planet. Now, lest you have a misunderstanding of the word conversion, conversion doesn't mean to force you to come into my church. (laughs) That's not conversion. Conversion is moving one who lives in an hostility and fear-based mind to a love-based mind. When we move to a love-based mind, projection ends. You go back into the ancient scriptures and, you know, in this particular Western culture, and they talk about there, there was a special mind in us. Unfortunately, this word's been associated with religion because it's got nothing to do with religion. The mind of Christ, that is, the mind that this man Yeshua discovered and lived in was the mind of love. When you live in that mind, you are a Christian, Christ-minded, Christ-like. Not Yeshua. Christ is not a proper name. Christ is in, in Aramaic as the name of an office. If I, you know, ran for mayor of the town and I won, you would call me Mayor Michael, but my first name is not Mayor. <laughs> Christ is not part of Yeshua's proper name, although churchianity has made it so. Christ means one who lives in that mind that he lived in, not as a member of a church. So, big difference between being Christian, that is, living with a mind that is Christed, and belonging to churchianity, or so-called Christianity. If you look at most Christianity, it's based in hostility or fear. You'll notice the whole story from start to finish is convincing you that somebody else is to blame. You you go right back to that story in the Garden of Eden. what What does Adam do? God, you gave me that woman. It's her fault. And the fact that it's her fault means it's your fault. There was the beginning of the one world religion. (laughs) And virtually everybody lives there. And you'll notice most of Churchiani is still talking about how some guy out there with a red suit, a tail, and a pitchfork is the problem in your life. There's the one that tempts you. There's the one that causes you to fall. It's not your fault. That's all part of that. I'm really believing that is part of being a card-carrying member of the religion of blame. It's a one-world system of thought that people get trapped in, and once one's trapped in it, their mind becomes a slave to that thought. And so the mind continuously produces constructs, perceptions, and blame. You gotta end it. You gotta stop it if you're ever gonna heal. If you're not interested in healing, then don't bother. If you're interested in actual healing, then you've got to unwind your belief in blame and move to responsibility. Owning and taking responsibility for what's happening in your mind, in your body, and in your life. You know, take a look at the title of my book. Why is this happening to me again? The whole world is trapped in that game. And there's a single, simple answer for why this is happening to me again. It's because as long as I live in blame, I can't capture and heal the part of my mind with which I create traumas in my life. What first century Aramaic forgiveness does is it collapses that whole false world of perception. The the more I work with it, I presented, as I say again this weekend, the, the forgiveness process this group, and they were just like, wow. And it just strikes home to me, level after level, experience after experience, that until you know how to collapse, the mind's lies... I mean, you get a whole visualization, a whole visual picture of your lives in true living color and Dolby Sound. And most everybody, when they quote unquote look at something, think that they're looking out through their eyes and seeing what's out there. And they are not. You don't look through your eyes. You can't see out through your eyes. Your eye is a one-way valve. Information comes in, you can't see out of the valve. (laughs) But the information that comes in triggers the mind into activity, and if that mind is based in the one-world religion of blame, then it will always generate total, detailed, visual pictures about how the problem's outside of you. But as I love to say, tongue-in-cheek, You'll notice if you've been through it 87 different times with 42 different people, you're the one that was there every time. And your mind will keep telling you the lie that it's somebody else. You know, I've said this many times, probably the greatest atrocity done to us as human beings down through the ages is that we've had hidden from us the fact that we are by nature creators. And as creators, what we hold to be true becomes true within our reality structure. If I live in denial, and our definition of denial is when I think or speak as though something outside of me is the cause of something inside of me. When I think or speak as though something outside of me is causing something to move inside of me. then I'm in denial. And to live in that lie, I have to make up a construct that shows me that it's outside of me. But it's not. It's such a huge piece of learning, such a huge piece of work to escape from that religious belief. And oh, so many people are so devoted to that, such devotees to blame. I mean, there's, it, it gets to the point, you know, if you look in the political realm today, it gets to the point of hilarious when these people who proclaim themselves to be so smart and so powerful and so ready to run the world and they're the only ones that can figure it out, but every other word out of their mouth when things crash on them is, yeah, but look whose fault it is. It's, it's all your fault. I mean, listen to the stories. It's the it's the government's fault, it's the president's fault, it's the, the media's fault, it's everybody else. And you listen to the ones who portray themselves as most powerful, and they're the ones who are most devoted to the church of blame. You can't live in blame and heal your life. It just can't be done. So we're here for support in using that tool with which perception is collapsed. And when perception collapses, as A Course in Miracles says, you now have a clean and open space within your mind. And strangely enough, what causes perception to collapse is to look at the goal you hold for whoever or whatever your object of attention is. It took me so many years to understand this. You know, there's that Harvard research. It's the most quoted research in psychological history. It goes back into the 50s, where they showed that in a time frame where there were 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity happening in the brain, the max amount of data that went into conscious awareness was nine bits. Tiny, tiny, tiny little fragment. And obviously, if there are 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity and only nine bits get into conscious awareness, something has to determine which nine bits the mind's going to use. And what we discovered is, Well, I shouldn't say that. I should say what we rediscovered, what what I finally understood out of Yeshua's teachings when when the core of forgiveness says you have to cancel your goal at the moment, what I finally understood, and obviously Yeshua understood this 2,000 years ago because he presented the whole complete technology, is that your goal is the driver for perception. Your goal recruits content according to what it holds. It being the goal itself and it being the content of the mind. When those two interact, only data that is resonated by the goal can come into awareness. And when you recognize that, then the most in the arenas where you have absolutely wonderful, wondrous goals, but you're in pain, to heal that pain, to access it directly, you must cancel the goal. And when you cancel the goal, the perceptual mind collapses. I and mean, that's such a significant piece of information. And when it collapses, it collapses in on its own footprint. You know, there are many systems thought out there that help you to push around your understanding. You know, it says, well, you know, do you really, is this, can you really prove this is true? No, well, then, then I can put aside this belief. That's great to put aside a belief. You're in a situation, you put aside a belief because somebody convinced you how to convince your mind to perhaps believe that that belief wasn't true. So now I can pretend it wasn't true and I, I seem to be alleviated that. But you'll notice, why is this happening to me again? Unless I remove that underlying belief, then mine's going to slide right back in and give me more of the same. With somebody else, somebody else, why is this happening to me again? So we're here to rectify that, to actually show not how to push beliefs around so that you can take some pain beliefs and and seem to let go of them, but literally to take those pain beliefs and get down into the root, not just push the belief aside, but get down into the root energy that creates the belief in the first place. And that's the power of being able to identify the specific, precise goal that you hold at any given moment, and then cancel that goal so that perception collapses into the root of what that goal is. Now you've got access for the underlying data, and that's how you let it go. When you access the underlying content of the mind... We could take the UN out of that word, the lying content of the mind, and you bring it forward in the presence of active love. It's gone. It's transmuted. You're finished with it. So that's what we're here to recognize. And and basically, you know, people talk about divine intervention. And so it's some sort of magical, miraculous thing that, well, it just sort of happens once in a while. No? And, and when generally speaking, when people think of divine intervention, they think of a miracle that happens. Something that's out of harmony with the quote-unquote laws of physics. You know, the creator came in and bent the laws of physics to change an outcome. No, that's not what happened. When a mind of hostility or fear was able to let go of that which was at the root of its hostility or fear, then active, present love, divine, could come in and activate the healing process totally, completely consistent with the laws of physics. To live outside of the presence of love and, and and living outside of the presence of love one comes to understand how the universe works or at least ostensibly. And the universe doesn't work that way. It only works that way you know, there's always somebody who's gonna get me. It only works that way because we've subverted our creatorship and bought into the lie. When the, when the space opens us, and this is what the forgiveness process consistently, persistently does. When the, the space opens for the true presence of active love, press in and through us, that is the most natural thing in the world, and people call it divine intervention. That's how the system's designed to work. And it doesn't violate any of the laws of the universe. It only violates the, the quote unquote laws that we made up. The fake, oh, here's how it works. Oh, you know, I roll along and things are getting good. And then as soon as I get to the top, something happens and the, the you know, the rug's dragged out from under me and it fails again. That's a law that an individual has made up, and the universe works according to that so-called law, not because that is a law, not because it's got anything to do with the way the universe works, but because they're creators, and they override the natural functioning system. When I collapse the mind that holds my personal trauma law base for true active personal love to come forward... And my personal trauma law collapses. And it's as reliable as day follows night if you engage in it. Now, you might need to engage in it many, many times because there are many layers, generational layers of this personal trauma law that's been going on in people's family systems, in most cases for eons. So it's time to let go of it, time to move out of it and recognize that things are different than the way we've perceived them to be. And as I awaken to that, I get to live in the true laws of the universe rather than my own personal trauma law. If my personal trauma law is, well, you know, somebody's always going to get me or something's always going to go wrong or, you know, whatever the dynamics are of it. Because we were given the power of creatorship, that overrides the laws of the universe. And the thing that overrides that law is forgiveness. The thing that allows us to step into the truth of how the universe works, the truth of who we are. And the whole game changes. So we're here to change everybody's game. We're here to offer support for every mind, heart, and being on the planet to be able to function out of something different. To be able to function out of truth. It's interesting, in the Aramaic language, the word manifest does not mean I bring some wonderful thing into my life that I want. The word manifest is the same... The root of it is the word obvious. Whatever your mind holds as truth... And many people want to be creators, but then they deny their creatorship by ignoring the evidence of the creation that they keep swamping themselves with. Oh, there must be somebody out there to blame for the fact this is happening to me again. And they go, I want to be a creator. But every time life shows up, when they asked Yeshua 2,000 years ago, you know what? How do you tell where somebody's at? You said, look at their fruit. Look at their results. If your results are showing up and you can't say, that's my creation, then you can't change that creation because you hide it from yourself through denial. Again, that's the one world religion. <laughs> so that's a shift and a change we're looking to support people with. And so if you're out there in listener land and you have a thought or a question for us, Our call-in number, if you're on one of the stations where we cannot see you, is 563-999-3581. If you call that number, you'll be listening to the show live. And then if you push 1, that will raise a hand and we'll be having a conversation. And our conversations are geared to support every mind, heart, and being, understanding the principles by which the universe works, and in particular, the principles by which forgiveness and all of the corollary tools that we've developed work to bring healing to the mind, to the body, to the family, to the community, and to the world. So delighted and honored that you're here to have this conversation, and Miss Jeannie. Do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room?
0: No, it is all quiet on the home front. Uh, maybe bring everybody up to speed on what Heartland's looking like.
6: Yes. It looks like what we're going to do for this summer is we're going to do a um, – a workshop with a group of people who are members of the Steiner organization. And as we do that, playing the dates right now, it looks like we may be backing up to maybe the first or second week of July to do a couple of weeks of Work Week, or we call it Work Week, Food Fund Forgiveness and Work, a project where people come, you know, economy-type prices, and, and the food's all supplied. Uh, in the evening, we do workshops. Saturday, we do mind shifters and still point breathing. So people get a taste of an intensive without the full uh, cost of an intensive. And during the day we do work projects on the property, so you're working with other people who've practiced and worked with these tools in very real environments. You know, there are projects to be done. Heartland's been closed, now it's going into its fourth year, so we've got some work to do to get the property ready to rock and roll. And thank you to, uh, to Michael Petty for being there and all the cleanup that he did and got it ready or moving in the direction. But we'll be going and doing some building repairs and, uh, Putting looks like we're going to put a, a roof on a building. And so we'll do that. It'll probably be a 16-day process. And then if we get enough interest, if you're interested in joining us for intensive, you know, we haven't done intensive since COVID started, since 2019 was our last session. But we're looking at doing either a nine-day or maybe a 17-day teacher training. And nine-day, why is this happening to me again? or 17-day teacher training. And if you're interested, drop Jeannie a note, or if you've got my number, call me and let me know. Drop her a note, Jeannie, J-E-A-N-I-E, at org is her e- email address, Jeannie at org. So if you drop her a note with your name and phone number, then we'll get back to you and set up. And so if you're interested in doing a nine-day why or a 17-day teacher training, which includes the nine-day why, the first nine days is, uh, is a why is this happening to me again workshop where we do why is this happening to me again, healing through relationships, communication. Did you hear what I think I said? Purpose, personal power, and commitment. Empowered to heal, mind shifters, hands on energy for your work, still playing breathing. That's a nine-day why intensive. That's the foundation for teacher, teacher training. So that's 17 days... Actually, it's the last day of the nine-day Y is the first day of the teacher training, so we kind of overlap that one day so we get uh, uh, two nine-day intensives in. So if you're interested in that, let us know. Drop Genie a note. And it, depending on what the interest is, we'll either do one or both of those intensives or none of those intensives. And then we'll go in and do the uh, the next... Uh, or, or we'll then have the group arrive that wants to do the uh, Steiner School, the Waldorf School education piece. So, so that's kind of what that's looking like. And or if we had enough interest in, in some other residential intensives, we'd be willing to entertain that as well. So I'm looking forward to getting Heartland opened, and I think what we're going to be doing is requesting that everybody test for COVID before they come because it's still floating around in the culture. And then uh, we're going to make part of the workshop that you'll get a, a vial of a nose spray that is done by Dr. John Laurent, who has a company called Mitozen in Florida. And basically, it's a, a sterilizer for the nose. It just cleans everything. And so we'll ask people to have that. It'll be yours to keep. And you know, if you go into town or what have you, like Jeannie and I use it when we go out somewhere you know whenever we finish interacting with a group of people there's a potential for it we just do a little spray and it keeps us rocking so so that's the plan and if you're going to play then please let us know sooner rather than later so we've got time to plan it out if you're thinking about it let us know you're thinking about it whether you're ready to commit or not but it gives us an idea of what we might be able to do So beyond that,
0: you we're have just going to keep up.
6: working on the next project to breathe to the world. And who are we going to talk to?
0: Okay, this is 828, and you are on the air. I believe this is one of our participants from uh, this weekend with Dr. Liu. 828, welcome.
6: Thank you. Hey, give us a name. Where are you calling from?
7: Uh, my name is Patrick. I'm calling from Fairview, North Carolina.
6: Ah, welcome. So were you Thank at you Dr. Think. Lewis this weekend? Yes, I was. Um, oh, cool. How did that impact you? Ah, oh, my goodness. You
7: rocked, uh, as always, another uh, rocking, but just uh, expanding the um, horizon, uh, expanding the, the the mind, really, um, uh, it's, it's not interesting. really
3: how much
6: forgiveness is all tied together with everything. It's just all tied yeah. together and just. Kind of mind blown really but um, well, it's interesting you use that word expansion in the aramaic language uh, the the whole the, the concept of the kingdom of heaven, heaven is actually rooted in the word expansion it's moving out of our small perceptual mind states and the self that thinks out of. That, it's, that, that what it sees as itself and perceives of itself is true, to expand beyond that, to collapse that and expand it. So you're right on track with that one. So what struck you the most and what's on your mind for today? Um,
7: well, I love the forgiveness worksheet. Um, that just, again, it, it, it opened me up to new possibilities. Uh, I don't have to carry that. I choose not to carry that uh, anymore. Um, one question for those was, if you are adopted, would you be carrying twice as much interference, um, meaning the interference from your biological parents and then also the interference from the adopted?
6: Well, the, the natural parents have placed into the egg at the moment of conception all of the dynamics of their generational patterns. Then, moving into an adoptive home, there would tend to be, if that home wasn't fully based in active love, there would tend to be the power person dynamics of that family, which would then become part of the epigenetic structure and tend to activate genes from the original family system into activity and yeah, that would all have to be worked out. Okay.
8: Yeah. Cause, uh,
7: it is going to tend uh, to get
6: a little more complicated. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so you okay. get even bigger opportunities to heal. How cool is that? Right. That's, yeah, awesome. It's like,
7: That's awesome. It is. Um, so, yeah. So, so thank you for uh taking the time to, um, share that, that knowledge with, with us this weekend. Um, much, much appreciated.
6: Honored and delighted. Any other refinement points that we can help you with while we're here on the phone?
7: Uh, no, sir. I believe we've got it covered. Cool. Awesome.
6: Well, anytime Thanks there's a so question, much. please pick up the phone calls and let us know, and uh, and or, you know, let us know what, uh, what insight comes. When you did your worksheet on Saturday in uh, in Dr. Liu's workshop, was there any particular breakthrough that happened for you?
7: Well, uh, like you I said, Yes, well, like I said, I started working on one um, was my my fear and rejection. And then um, I figured it was just going to go away, and then anger came up. So now mm-hmm. I am delaying doing my worksheet on anger. Um, but, yes, yeah, so. Um,
6: well, that's interesting.
7: awesome. You peel one layer, and another layer reveals itself.
6: So. Exactly. And the thing to get, and I don't think we talked about this Saturday, is that people think of anger as an emotion. Anger is not an emotion, it's a drug. It's an anesthetic. <laughs> so under the anger, anger, there's always pain. So when you start forgiving us through that anger, and you let go of that drug, it's it's like the alcoholic who, you know, spends 25 years in a stupor and then decides to stop drinking and all of a sudden becomes aware of all the dynamics of the last 25 years that they have to deal with. And it can get pretty intense. So be aware of that as you gently open and uncover those things. Underneath that anger is always pain. And there will be probably many layers of worksheets to do to clear out all of that pain. Get rid mm-hmm. of the anesthetic and then you get to feel. And, and you know, when you... When you get rid of the anesthetic and you get to feel, it's not Dr. Feelgood. Because what we've been anesthetizing against, right. of course, is the stuff that doesn't feel so good. So just be patient with yourself and, you know, piece by piece, strength to strength, things open.
7: Beautiful. Yeah, because that was the one thing, like I said, I I've, I I've uh, I assumed, and that was the first problem, but I uh, I thought that, yeah, once I did the worksheet, I, I will have this uh, epiphany, this great uh, – yeah um yeah, ease, ease of, of emotions and, yeah,
6: I just felt more. It's like, oh, goodness, here we go. I think I did it wrong.
7: No,
6: you did you know. it perfectly, and that's the epiphany. That's the epiphany is, oh, I have more work to do. <laughs> here I <laughs> thought it was just this one little thing. Well, you know, there's nobody that's got one little thing. When you start recognizing this story in our genes is every generation and the dynamics of every generation in our bloodline, there's no such thing as one little thing. So that's a big epiphany to go, oh, I have more to do. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. always the one you were looking for necessarily, but
7: no. yeah. it's a big
6: one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, again, all right. thank
7: you, Jeannie. No. I appreciate both of you all, so thank you much.
6: All right. Thanks for the Absolutely. for the invite. Blessings. Have a great day. I love it. You too. I love it. And I you have love another the, hand. Uh, the sharing of the insight that uh that opens the space for everybody else to not have to discover everything on their own. So let's talk to our next caller.
0: I believe this is Patrick McGann 727 you're on the air. Can you hear
6: Dr. Me? McGann. Hey, how you're hey, loud you know, and clear Dr. Up. McGann. How are you?
8: Good. I'm good. I had a subject but it's lost right now. Other subjects came up with genes. So it's my understanding from the work four years ago at your place that we watch films or anything that genes change for the, the people prior, whatever, or two generations back go through a drought, therefore genes change. So they change and they adapt. And then Bruce Lipton saying, ah, you can change them now through your mental processes. So I would think first. Well, skipping that for a second, off to the side, in case people would tend to believe in being a spirit that comes back to other lifetimes and other bodies, I would think, I always thought that if I did, that uh, why do I look different from my brothers? Why am I so different? Well, i formatted myself over many times, and I picked two parents who had different genes. But then why is one brother this way? So it's like I think that you fuse your genes up front. If the theory of getting back in a new body is correct, but that's just known for certain people. But I do believe you can change it. Well, it's interesting,
6: Patrick. On that topic, there's a, a lot of new research going on, and one of the things you know, we used to think. You know, we started to understand back around 1700. There was a guy who was a a cloth merchant, I forget his name. He was a cloth merchant and he developed a set of lenses to be able to look at the fine threads in a cloth as 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 part of his selling process and he invented the first microscope. And wow. he was asked he was asked to by you know he he was a merchant But he had this brilliant mind for research, and he was asked to use his microscope to investigate uh, sperm. And I mean, I just recently read the story about that, and he was so embarrassed. It was so like he he sent his research into whatever the Royal Institute of Knowledge was, uh, whatever country he was in, I, I don't recall offhand. But... But he sent it in with, and I don't, it it would be perfectly okay with me, because this is such a, you know, such an untouchable subject, that maybe you should just bury this research and forget it, because he was embarrassed about learning about Uh sperm. But we've had this belief it it took almost 200 years to get past his embarrassment before new levels of understanding and research happened but you know we've all been told that well you know the sperm swim toward the egg and the first one that gets there gets to penetrate the egg and and now you've got this body uh, beginning to be created but what they're what they're understanding now is that the egg may reject many sperm before it opens to one particular sperm, and each particular sperm carries a particular aspect of the genes of the father, uh, and and the egg is waiting for the right, it would appear at least, that the egg is ra- waiting for the right sperm to open and allow it in. First guy that gets there swimming doesn't get into the egg necessarily, uh, it's the one that... You know and who knows what chooses all those resonances to open to that particular one, but uh it's interesting how that all unfolds and uh and then, of course, this epigenetics, the fact that with our minds we can write a program to either turn genes on or turn genes off. You know the research is now showing that the belief in the primacy of the DNA that's what they used to call it primacy of the DNA and number one is your DNA. No, that's a lie. That's just not true. It's the selective process from our thinking and our environment that they've titled epigenetics that turns the gene on or off. So, you know, if, if one has a gene, let's say, for heart disease, and they happen to eat the, the SAD diet, the standard American diet with all the junk, fats, and all the crap foods and nutrition-free foods, then that becomes part of the that person's epigenetics and will activate the genes for heart disease and end up with heart disease. On the other hand, the gene can't activate itself. Something in the environment has to activate it, is what they're proving. And so the person who says, oh, gee, I have three generations of heart disease in my family. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the things that mute that gene. You know, I'm going to think with love in my heart. I'm going to eat actual food. I might even have a garden and grow real food without chemicals and pesticides and garbage in it and then eat it whole rather than having it refined and having all the nutrition taken out of it and the leftover crap fed to me and and that person doesn't activate the gene for heart disease or cancer or you know whatever it is that we've got a whole lot of choice on that whole process and of course forgiving the energetic patterns in our epigenetics that and epi meaning over that which is over our genes also allows us to open the genes and literally rewrite them for all the generations. So pretty propo- profound, pretty powerful. The,
8: everything that I've been studying from three different doctorate studies is that it's the mind energy, as you put it.
6: Yep.
3: That yeah,
8: yeah, does it all, and that all—that's all the, the key. Can be changed through mind energy.
6: That's the epigenetics. The environment. So Our thinking, thinking is, uh, is the environment.
8: Little sperms and little eggs are little beings that have a lot of mind energy. <laughs> so through mm-hmm. the rest of them, they kind of talk to each other. Electromagnetic pulses.
6: So anyway, so just around. On, I came in just a little
8: late on your thing about Dr. John Moran's dose spray, but the first thing I thought of coming late was, oh can't use this prophylactic, why would you use it after the fact? So if you sprayed it in and you went out in public, and right now there is, I forgot to tell you this today, I'll tell you now, there was a thing three days ago by Weon, which is an international broadcast, saying that we had two Omicrons that were mixed together and now created a deadly, and not a nice little gentle Omicron, but a deadly one.
6: New level of of COVID, yeah.
8: Yeah, COVID, Georgia, big time, Texas, and about five other states, I don't remember what, but then 25 other countries. And so I started prepping. I found that uh, I like the surgical masks a bit better than the M95. Um, and then I thought, okay, I got this ready, and I'll go shopping early in the morning if it starts sitting around here. But the nose spray, I would think... If you can put it in your nose and you could be filtering killing things on the way in, if that's what it does, I don't really know what it
6: does, Tell me about it again
8: yeah.
6: and can it be you basically yeah, it's prophylactic uh, and and yes, we use it you know when we go out, and then every time we come out of a of a facility, you know we go into the grocery store and we'll use it when we come back out with a group of people.
8: Oh well, I mean was well, why't you use it before you go in because you're in there please. I'm saying
6: we use it on both ends.
8: Oh, yeah. both ends. You double-checked? Double yeah. Okay, now yeah. I got it. Thank you, thank you. All right, I'll do that. So should I contact him or you for a, or a spray?
6: I'll get you a link. We get a, uh, I forget whether it's a 10% or a 20% discount. So we'll, All right. I'll get you a link. Good. We'll talk about Good. that. Great.
8: And... That's about all my questions or ideas for right now. I had something to do with – oh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and say it. I was listening to the worksheet thing and the fellow that had the heavy-duty things that you sent me, and in there, some of the presentation was just phenomenal. And I thought about this, and then there's a whole lot of watered down. I thought about what's happening today in the modern world that my – marketing lady, P, you know, she's not a PhD, but she's a graduate in that. And she's fast, and she has all these things. She said short films. So I'm thinking for my work, I'm putting together one to three minute film on exactly the point and not any water down. I can have a long one, but there were certain things that were in that uh, talk that you were giving that I thought were just phenomenally important. And could be in in three minutes and then put those together. Also, I'm thinking a long time ago you told me it was not time for your work to go out, but I really do think it is time because you've got three other people doing similars and saying similars online on the um, – what's it called? YouTube. On YouTube, there's just –
6: why not? I mean – that's just the thought for now. Yeah, That's yeah. Things things are moving on a new level and moving uh, more globally. So yeah, it, it, we're rocking it. It's time. We're on it.
8: Okay. Great. Yay. All right. So I'm much rather help you than the other company. <laughs> yeah, get your work out there. Yeah.
6: Every yeah, mind, heart, and being on the planet is the is the plan. Making it available at least.
8: What's the dates on your, uh, again, on the
6: retreat work part? At this point, it's looking like probably somewhere around January 6th to 10th, or pardon me, July 6th to 10th for a starting point. And then through into Mm -hmm. August, the the, uh, folks from um, the Steiner School, Waldorf Education, are looking at the 6th of August for their 10-day retreat. So we'll back up and do the the uh, work projects and then either the nine day Y or the nine day a uh, sixteen day teacher training before that. So it's looking like some, sometime in the early part of July is what we're projecting at this point, but I don't know that could change totally depending on the interest that's shown. Who wants to come and play.
8: Yeah I love it. My wife loves it. <laughs> That's a, I know that's a not, not the right noun-verb usage in the, the correct way, but I have to say that I totally was wonderfully enjoyable. Which brings up another subject. After I have to try to tell you that my wife was so happy that my vibrations had changed so much when I came home from being out there, so I highly encourage anyone to do it.
6: You mean your trip to Heartland? The that
8: I covered. Yeah, go to Heartland because huh. I lost ten pounds. And I lost. Tremendous. My 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 wife was so much happier. When we were our our you know our union was blessed tremendously. And the two things that I dealt with, the two heaviest things for me in my life, when my dad passed away early, and I I stopped crying for 21 years after that. So I just got tougher and tougher and harder and harder. And people liked that about me, so I just became a tough guy, <laughs> inhibiting all feelings into my body and pretty soon yep. it broke down. The other was the torture and uh, by my own people where I won that war game, and then they didn't know what to do because they didn't want to be losers, so they broke their vows. And some of that stuff, that's held with me, like not trusting any company, not trusting any people in charge, not trusting any government, not trusting any police. All those things all come from there, and uh, I've gotten a long way, but the main thing was, the majority, like the tremendous, tremendous difference from being out there and dealing with those two things. And it mm-hmm. could only be done with that group and with your support. That group supported me. And, of course, some of them got really upset that I was bringing up my military stuff <laughs> for a little while. But then when I broke down and broke through, people were there for me. No, no. So yeah. it couldn't have been done anywhere else.
6: Yeah, they were. That was a sweet group, wasn't it? Yeah, every year, our yeah. band has just an awesome group of people that uh, come together to support each other. It's pretty fabulous. Yeah,
8: mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's great. If anybody here? says well, I highly recommend do it. If you want to change your like.
6: Let's go for it. Other
8: things, as long as we've known each other forty-five, approximately years, right? But I didn't make that breakthrough. Four years ago. So, if anybody wants to make a breakthrough and get some major change in their life,
6: go.
2: Thank you. I'll
6: Thank you. second that. <laughs> All right, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you have a blessed one. <laughs> I'll do it. Thanks. Okay. It take care. Up, right? Blessings. Appreciate you. Pretty cool oh, to have somebody in your life minutes. that's been around for 45 years and still hanging out and honoring each other, supporting each other. It's pretty fabulous. Yes, we're down to about four minutes, five minutes. So we got time for one more caller if somebody puts a hand up. And that's what I'd like to do is have another caller to talk to, but if not, I'm complete. And if nobody else is putting a hand up, maybe we'll just call the show complete. We have Miss Arya Rain here, so we're going to have a fun afternoon with her. And I'm ready to go hug the young girl. I haven't seen her yet since she got here. So if you're out there in this land, you have a thought, question for us. We've got another four minutes. Let's talk about it. Otherwise, we're just going to say thank you, everybody, for joining us. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings.
2: Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to MindShifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the First Century Aramaic Internal Process of Forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on MindShifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.